Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Chaos reigns. And if you're in Canada, it rains a little bit later, uh, about a month a month or two late. Yes. When did this come out in the U.S.? Uh, in March? Yeah. yeah, March. And it's, But it still snows here in, in April. Yeah. So. so, you know, same old, same old. Uh, yes, today we are dire- uh, not directing, reviewing <laughs> Doug Lyman's <laughs> Chaos Walking, starring Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland, Mads Mikkelsen, Demian Bashir, Cynthia Erivo, Nick Jonas, Ray McKinnon, Kurt Sutter, David Oyelowo. Uh, quite a cast, Eric, for a movie this... Uh, Abysmal? Yeah. Um, it was released in March, like I mentioned, in the United States. Uh, didn't have a... I mean, E1 was distributing it here, and they they decided to hold it until um, today. Yeah, uh, a, a little insane. longer. I mean, this... this I think most of our review, or at least our interest in talking about this film, will come from its long gestating sort of reshoots and post-production problems and sitting on the shelf for a few years and kind of being that movie that every now and then, you know, you saw a couple stills pop up online of, uh, you know, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley in a forest looking perplexed by what they were shooting and, uh, watching this movie. Um, you know, like I, I see th- some of the interest there in, in creating a new young adult sci-fi fantasy franchise with a little bit of a tinge of Western themes and new frontier themes and ideas. And it just kind of feels almost weirdly truncated, but also too long for what this is. And it is all set up to kind of create a franchise that we yeah. will never see. So In a world, yeah. So we're we're basically given this redundant movie now, which is again, you know, a few years old and kind of feels stale overall. And and you know, watching the film again, Doug Lyman's one of those guys that I think is a really interesting filmmaker who, you know, he's not maybe uh, a household name, but you look at some of the films that he has made, you know, whether it be directing Swingers or the first Born movie, The Born Identity, um, Edge of Tomorrow, I think probably is his, his best film. Um, but he's a guy that seems to kind of either have a lot of problems in production when it comes to working with his crew or his cast, because there's been you know, sort of conversations about like there was the movie that he did with Sean Penn and Naomi Watts fair game where like he clashed with Sean Penn quite a bit on set and things like that, but also him kind of finding the movie as he goes along. And when you have a film that's, you know, we we were talking about this right before we started recording this costs over, you know, a hundred million dollars and probably a lot of it went into uh, reshoots, but um, cast and the cast. (laughs) Well, but, but I think like some of the cast, I mean, I get, but there's still like, it's, I, if on paper, you look at this and you see Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland, Mads Mikkelsen. I mean, Damien Bashir is a supporting guy. Cynthia Erivo coming onto the scene and some great stuff recently. I mean, even Nick Jonas being kind of a secondary um, guy lately. But then you have like random pop-ups with like Kurt Sutter. And, and David Oyelowo is this yeah. sort of like sadistic priest and things like that. And again, like it feels, as I mentioned, like it, it, some of it, 
is obviously set up for sort of sequels and maybe even a series because you have characters that are kind of introduced along this, this journey. So the idea or the, the, the sort of the basic plot is um, it takes place in uh, the future on a new world, a new earth that's kind of like our own planet. But the kind of difference here is that it's um, inhabited by males and uh, these alien creatures, as we'll kind of later learn about, called the uh, the spackles or the spackles, um, spackles, spackles, yeah. and. Again, that's another thing that kind of feels like, okay, we'll introduce this in this movie, but we'll kind of maybe get back to it in a sequel or another installment later on, which is also very much, you know, uh, uh, an allegory to indigenous cultures being sort of removed from or erased from history. And so you get to this kind of frontier town that's on you know earth two basically um and it's all sort of inhabited by males and the idea is that the world that we are they are living in they are inhabiting uh your inner thoughts can be heard and it's called the noise and there's this conversation throughout saying or dialogue you know control your noise or control or you know keep it down um but all your inner thoughts can be heard by everyone else and but only the men but only the men because there are at the beginning of it there are only men yeah the aliens uh were killed all the women supposedly yeah and yeah yeah and and that's kind of basically the setup and then you have daisy ridley's character viola um, who is a part of a second wave that's coming to uh, this planet to colonize and be a part of of the world and join the settlers. Um, and Tom Holland's character, who you'll never forget his name because he says it a hundred thousand times oh, to control yeah. <laughs> his his thoughts. I have to hear Todd Hewitt. Todd, Todd Hewitt, Hewitt. Todd Hewitt, Hewitt. Todd Hewitt over and over again. Um, and so he basically sort of is her guide or, or sort of becomes her companion and sort of helping her get to uh far branch, which is another community because the, the town that he's a part of, or the settlement that he's a part of um, sort of wants to uh, commandeer the spacecraft and they figure, okay, well, if we can get her, we can kind of hold her captive and, and lure um, you know, the incoming uh, community that's that's sort of waiting to hear back from them, you know, and um, it's basically your classic sort of, you know, fantasy journey, Lord of the Rings style adventure film in the woods, but it doesn't really amount to anything other than just Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland walking around and sort of just having this dialogue about, you know, a world without women and, you know, him trying to kind of contain his thoughts. And there's a couple moments there where it's like, okay, this could be intriguing or really interesting in terms of like, you know, the male bravada and ego and things like that kind of coming into play. But ultimately it does feel like a kind of confused, choppy, wasted concept that doesn't really know what it ultimately wants to be other than taking all these ideas and genre mashups and kind of putting them into one pot that just does not work. And trying to capitalize on two big franchises with Spider-Man and star Wars, right? Like this movie to me feels like it's both five years too late and 10 to 15 years too late. Cause there was that time in like the late two thousands, early 2010s where we were getting young adult, sci-fi adaptation after young adult sci-fi adaptation and this feels like it kind of slots perfectly in that weird time space of like 
2007 to 2013. I don't know if I'm getting like the times exactly right. right so you're but talking about like the Hunger like, Games and Maze yeah. Runner and the Divergence. And then experience. we got even yes, but then you even get to those you know C and D tier kind of young adult adaptations that we were getting, where it felt like you know every other month we were getting another one of these with you know. I, this has a little bit more star power when you have Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland leading it, but that also feels like, okay, we were in that Star Wars trilogy, uh, sequel trilogy time period. Tom Holland's hot off of, you know, the Marvel movies. So we're going to th- start throwing him in everything. And then you, like, then you kind of let, you know, you know, the Star Wars trilogy came out and, you know, we got that a couple years ago and Rise of Skywalker, not very well received. Uh, Last Jedi say what you want about it but very divisive like i feel like daisy ridley really needed and this is kind of like you haven't seen her in much since the star wars trilogy right no, like she's been no. in a few things here and there but this feels like it's trying to capitalize on that and then also feels like it's out of time with those you know young adult adaptations that we were trying to get in that in that time period i was saying and then yeah i kind of echo everything you're saying eric where like it, it has some intriguing concepts or ideas on paper or as you first hear about them but how it executes them and how it kind of tells the story it kind of pitters out and just amounts to really nothing and like same with the cast when you like i mean i love mads mikkelsen i even i like tom holland and daisy ridley like i don't know if i'm like i think that they're gonna get away from that you know not typecasting, but no, well, they're as so Spider-Man young looking and, too, yeah. right? Like especially Tom Holland, who does. I mean, that's why I think he's so good as as in casting wise, Peter, Parker, as Peter yeah. Parker and Spider Man because he has he's has that youthful look. Like him growing up in the next ten to twenty years as a, as an actor will be interesting to see if he kind of grows out Ages, of those youthful yeah. looks and maybe grows into a mature kind of taken and i agree with you with the daisy ridley thing like i feel really bad for her because it's almost like that star wars curse where any of the women in you know those casts kind of seem to be cursed i mean natalie portman even talked about like mike nichols was the person that kind of saved her ironically that doug lyman directed jumper yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well uh, well well again like natalie portman sort of you know talking about like mike nichols being the thing that kind of saved her you know working with him on both you know uh uh, sort of off-Broadway productions of The Seagull and then uh, Closer. And and Daisy Ridley hasn't had that kind of fallback in terms of, you know, finding that, that film that will kind of launch her career outside of mm-hmm. sort of introducing her within the Star Wars franchise because the Star Wars franchise, again, is its own thing. And the same thing with the Marvel universe. Yeah. But to establish yourself outside of those movies is a whole other it's hard and i mean i that's why i think it's funny that he directed jumper with hayden christensen right and then you go into this and then it feels like in that jumper realm of like uh you know high concept sci-fi movie that just kind of doesn't amount to anything and like it it it, it's really kind of sad because i feel like there was potential here and edge of tomorrow is so good um that i I recently rewatched edge of tomorrow and i just i agree with you with doug lyman as well like i feel like he's super hit or miss for me where like um i really really love edge of tomorrow but then to go before that like mr and mrs smith kind of fun i love the first born identity movie like american made i'm kind of uh mixed on too but then you get into lockdown the wall like there's just these random kind of movies that i feel like come out that like no one really pays attention to and that end up being like either okay or not very good and i just feel like this kind of falls in with that and i don't know man like i just 
I was just kind of bored throughout the whole thing. Like I didn't really find that they had a lot of chemistry. Um, and I found the noise stuff to be just annoying. Like yeah. it really like it didn't, it's like okay this could be cool but the way that you have like todd hewitt todd hewitt and just like him repeating his name trying to control and not let his noise get too loud or his thought inner thoughts get uh out there but um and then the twists that you find out about what happened to the men and women on this planet and stuff like that i feel like could have been an interesting kind of thing to dig into but it just ends up being this very generic kind of like you said um uh, you know, cross, not cross country, but, you know, adventure across from a one travel camp log, to another yeah. travel <laughs> thing of like trying to, you know, it's just chase and get to the next thing, chase, get to the next thing. And like, I don't know. Which like, I, against. I, I think, I think it's yeah. a fairly straightforward plot. And like, it, it, like, again, like you can tell that Doug Lyman, like his, his, his interest is probably more in the kind of like McCabe and Mrs. Miller Deadwood esque yeah. sort of storyline and sort of combining yeah. that. And, and people like, I, I, I like that idea. I think that's probably why, you know, the HBO series of, of Westworld did so well with that first season where it combines both sci-fi, sci-fi and Western and, Western, and, and yeah. fantasy elements. And again, it, that, you know, that petered out and you talked about, you know, the, the young adult adaptations kind of petering out. And I feel like this movie is almost a representation of the timeline of, of that young whole, adult yeah. of the genre <laughs> as a whole, where it's like, okay, intriguing idea. Um, they play fast and loose with what the noise is and, and, and whether or not it's a, a power or if it's a hindrance to people, because the idea as well is that the noise can, you know, create create things things like almost like a harry potter-esque like uh you know when they make those animals or whatever what the fuck is that even called harry potter fans are yelling at us yeah i I know i we're both very minor harry potter fans yeah but but or but it can also right is that it patronus i don't know Uh, but no no, that's just a saying that 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 emma watson (laughs) says again another person who kind of never made that transition past the uh a major franchise but the idea of like you know you can sort of create illusions as well i mean like this would be like like the, the the ideal place for Mysterio or someone like that. Speaking of Spider Man, like he would thrive in 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 you know the new world. Um, but again, like I think there are certain elements that I I kind of found fascinating. Like I actually really like the last uh, location for the 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 main set piece, which is this old sort of space abandoned spacecraft, which again reminded me of. Uh, uh, the force awakens because daisy ridley's character is a scavenger in that and that kind of again sort of you know talking you talking about capitalizing on star wars like i couldn't help but think of like ray at the beginning when we're first introduced it was to her. patronus i nailed patronus it. nice <laughs> um so i wasn't wrong either in terms of uh yeah, that's when they like project animals with yeah. their like magic and yeah. that kind of feels But they don't like- have to say anything. They just have to think it. And some people are better at sort of um restraining their uh noise than others or controlling it. You see that Mads Mickelson's character, the mayor, who, you know, wears this kind of big fur coat that's very similar to Warren Beatty in uh, uh McCabe and Mrs. Miller or even more recently Ben Mendelssohn in uh Slow West kind of being able to almost hide it entirely where someone like David Oyelowo, whose uh, preacher is sort of this uh, masochistic sadist type that projects it out as far as he can and uses it as a, as a gift to sort of spread uh, the gospel. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this interesting sort of mix of like, okay, are these superpowers or are these, 
problems for the community because again like it comes into play in terms of the twist or the reveal of of what happened to the women and sort of why there's that missing element um sort of later on that puzzle piece that's sort of eventually revealed um but then when you get to the the final act i i like again the setting the location of like this abandoned sort of craft that reminds you of uh, the force awakens and things like yeah, that. And bit, sort yeah. of like that fight sequence. And I think that there could have been more to it. But the other thing that I was, I was thinking about while watching this in terms of the truncated quality of, or the continuity of it. Um, so when the spacecraft lands, Daisy Ridley's uh, craft crashes uh, onto this planet. And then she's eventually found out uh, by the community, Tom Holland and his family, his two fathers um, kind of discover her and, you know, the community kind of rallies and she's brought in. There's this whole thing about like, you know, she buried the other um, uh, sort of people that were with her in this expedition. And that almost feels like there was a lot of time that went by between, or at least a, a couple months, maybe between her landing and her being found out by the people in the community or in the settlement. And yeah. that's another thing that this movie doesn't really sort of, convey very well is the the passage of time or like how much time passes as they're moving from point a to point b and again like there's even characters that kind of feel like they had more screen time that was kind of like cut out or maybe had more of an arc like ray mckinnon shows up in this right uh, at one point and and you know he's a wonderful character actor and he's kind of uh, adverse to tom holland because of the community he's from um but the way that his character kind of is resolved in this it almost felt like okay maybe there was another scene or two with him kind of being fleshed out and it just it feels very choppy that way yeah i don't doubt it i mean you brought it up at the beginning that the the movie had issues in test screenings they had to bring in fede alvarez to come in and reshoot a bunch and they had to wait till you know daisy ridley was finished shooting star wars so they shot half of it you know, before and then tried to patch it together after. And, and yeah, it just doesn't, I, I've said this a few times, but doesn't amount to anything. And you could tell like, it's, it's, it sucks when, you know, you're adapting these young adult kind of novels and they are a franchise of books and you, uh, it doesn't feel like a self-contained kind of movie. Like you said, either, like, it just kind of feels like it's trying, trying too hard to set up this big franchise with these movie stars and you needed to really focus on story and fleshing out the characters and, and having an overall arc of this movie. And there is a small one and we don't want to get into the twists and turns and shit like that, even though I don't think they really go into them that deeply. Um, but yeah, it just, uh, it, it's focused too much on going, okay, we got two big movie stars. Let's try to make this a thing. And, um, Obviously, that did not work. They tried to patch it up with reshoots, and you can kind of really tell. And and that's, I think, only one example of, of, of quite a few times where it just kind of feels disjointed as well, where you have this cast, but someone's only in it for a few moments, or it ends up just kind of, again, it just ends up being boring. And I think that's its biggest crime is like... Uh, and I just really, when you have two big movie stars, like you got it, you can't just go, well, you know, they're hot because of Spider-Man and Star Wars. Like they got to work together. And I just never felt like there can, there's no um, chemistry. And, and, no, and you could argue just, that like, oh, well, maybe that's part of it because, you know, sure. um, you know, he's Tom never Holland's seen a character's never before, seen a war or, yeah. and she, you know, is, has never been on 
a planet before. That's the oh, other. Yeah, she's just been that, on this ship. Yeah, right? like yeah. she talks about having the experience of eating real food or seeing the rain for the first time, or you know, feeling the cold. So I guess maybe like that. that's intentional, but, but it doesn't. But it still doesn't work because by the end, you're supposed to feel that like these two characters have a connection, which also very much reminds me of the relationship between Jennifer Lawrence and Josh Hutcherson's characters in the Hunger Games movies, yeah. where Katniss and and Peta, like Peta, they never really had chemistry together on screen they were just kind of okay well because they are sort of a couple in the books or or they become a couple in the book we have to have you know these two stars or potential up-and-coming stars i mean obviously jennifer lawrence is a movie star josh hutcherson really hasn't done a lot of stuff since then but it just kind of felt like an obligation to the source material and the source material here being written by uh, the book and the script credited to Patrick Ness, who also uh, is the author for uh, a monster calls, which was another movie that was very much underwhelming and, and had a lot of potential um, to be something special, but really kind of fell flat in terms of what it ultimately presented as, as, as an adaptation. Um, this is also similar. And again, you mentioned Fede Avarez with the, the reshoots. There are a number of, of rewrites um, that aren't credited to um, sort of script doctoring and, and people like Charlie Kaufman, uh, for example, did a rewrite on this. And like, I mean, not That's that I could, wild. I could even no, tell I doubt that they would really have used much of right. what he did. Yeah. Right. But, but again, like you can't really tell other than just like, Oh, that's kind of cool that like, you know, after the fact of, of having watched this movie, knowing that, okay, someone like him is brought in to do it. It's the same way with like Noah Baumbach coming into a Madagascar animated movie and doing a rewrite or something like that. Like it's not really his voice. It's just kind of him maybe, you know, fixing something here or there, making something work a little bit better or or just kind of trying to salvage something out of, uh, you know, the, the wasteland that this is kind of created. And, and again, like visually it's not a bad looking movie. And it also made me, you, you mentioned Doug Lyman's uh, lockdown, which is a film that came out this earlier this year with true technology yeah. for and Anne Hathaway, which is kind of sort of based around the pandemic and it's a heist movie. It made like, I actually really enjoyed watching that movie. It wasn't a great film. It was very slight, but it made me appreciate it even more. So after watching this, because again, Lyman's one of those guys that I think almost kind of falls into the category of a Michael Winterbottom or Steven Soderbergh, where like, he doesn't necessarily have like a quote unquote, one type of style or genre that he's known for. He's, he's kind of a guy that almost is like, he, he wants to shepherd or bring something to kind of create or, or build upon. And the world building here doesn't really interest you as much as the world building being presented in, you know, the Bourne franchise, which, you know, obviously Paul Greengrass kind of took it and ran with it, but mm-hmm. without Doug Or even Lyman, Edge of Tomorrow, too. Yeah, or, or, or like, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow is, is, is a great example of that. But even Jumper, like Jumper yeah. kind of presents these things where it's like, okay, the idea, the premise is interesting enough, but the follow through of it doesn't always work. And I think Edge of Tomorrow is the best version of that. But even that had reshoots and problems as yeah, well. Like that was, is true. There yeah. was a whole sequence with Jeremy Piven that was completely cut out of uh, Edge of Tomorrow, and they had to reshoot the ending uh, of of that film. So again, Lyman's one of those guys that almost feels like he's a guerrilla style filmmaker that kind of comes in and doesn't really use the script other than just a blueprint. And that doesn't always yeah. work for either the actor or the studio that they're working for. And clearly here, it became a problem. Is he the one who's shooting the movie in space with Tom Cruise? He sure is. Right. Yeah. When are, they're supposed to start doing that soon, right? But yeah. I guess after Mission, well, Mission Impossible is pretty much over now. Well, but, he, yeah. I mean, Cruise also has to do 
publicity for Top Gun this year as right, well. Right, right. Like so it'll so, probably be next year. Yeah. Or whatever, but. Um, but that'll be interesting. But again, like I, I do like Doug Lyman. Like he has done a lot of movies that either liked or really loved. But there's he's not a filmmaker that I would necessarily put in my like you know top ten of great you know like American filmmakers or, or, or American indie filmmakers who have gone commercial. But I always do appreciate what he's doing and and i think you know his movies are worth talking about even though maybe there's not a theme like again like i think his best work is edge of tomorrow or swingers or things like that but i would never sort of say like oh like these two like these are these are doug lyman movies there's just no smart little clever moments or go like goes another one where it's like it kind of is a film that not a lot of people talk about now, but it was almost, you know, a movie of the late nineties, early two thousands that kind of had a bit of cult appeal the same way that fight club did. But I think go is a better movie. It just kind of now nobody really mentions it anymore. So yeah, he's one of those guys that you have, like, if you're not, you almost forget what he's done. And every time he directs a movie, I need to like click on his name on Wikipedia and I go, Oh yeah. Doug Lyman directed all these movies. Yeah. But without and- him, we wouldn't have, the Bourne series because he loved the Robert Ludlum uh, novels and yeah. they did a TV movie in the late eighties and that kind of sort of soured universal on ever kind of, you know, cause they had the rights to it ever wanting to do another film adaptation. And he was the guy that pushed for it so hard and got the movie made. And even though, again, like that first film, you look at the first movie and then you look at what Paul Greengrass kind of did subsequently. Yeah, I always attribute Bourne to Greengrass for right. some reason, not Lyman, because I, I honestly forgot he even directed the first one. But the first movie is a pretty solid film. Oh, it it's is just, good. Yeah. It's just a very, like, again, like you look at that movie and then you look at, you know, the, the Greengrass movies. I would say almost like in terms of if you were to compare the uh the, the green grass one well yeah yeah but 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 even like if you were to compare uh lyman's work to green grass i would say the the more kind of apt comparison would be you know uh doug lyman tried to do green grass with the wall the john cena and aaron yeah, taylor johnson yeah. movie, God, where yeah. it's kind of all handheld single location thriller but again i always appreciate that like he's out there making movies i think he's he is a solid filmmaker it's just not he's not like you know one of the the you know, top kind of guys that you always are excited about. It's just like, oh yeah, cool. That's I that's great that he made a movie. I'm appreciating just that he's out there. Give me Edge of Tomorrow too. That's what I want. Yeah. Um I will give Chaos Walking a two out of five. I will also give it a two out of five. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you like this, we got a couple other reviews that we would love for you guys to go check out right now. Uh, we have a review up for Stowaway, uh, which is a Amazon or Netflix film, depending on your region. Uh, Amazon in Canada, Netflix in the United States. So we have a review up for Stowaway uh, right now, um, as well as our 89th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. We would love for you guys to go check out if you're watching this before the Oscars or listening to this uh, before the Oscars. That is our Oscars prediction show. Uh, The 90th draft will also uh, probably be up on Monday, which will be our reactions to the Oscars uh, this weekend. So um, if you're catching this before then, the 89th draft, if you're after the 90th draft. And if you're uh, catching this three or four years Later in the future, chaos time capsule. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be a time capsule. Um, Please follow us on all those social medias at untitled underscore cast. 
uh what else i'm forgetting something else oh drop us a review we're trying to hit um a review goal on the reviews channel this one that you're listening to right now so if you haven't uh we would really really appreciate if you guys would pop over hit five stars on apple podcasts um and we might have some news on the apple podcast front coming up soon because they um they're changing a bunch of stuff on the apple podcast side uh they announced at the recent apple event so we should have a untitled movie podcasts page where all of our podcasts are housed um but that'll be coming up soon on the apple side of things so um you can follow all my work around the internet at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric march and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time i'm todd hewitt i'm todd hewitt i'm todd hewitt i'm todd hewitt this movie's not good this movie's not good oh my god i don't know why how we did 30 minutes on this 30 minutes oh my god oh my god i am the circle and the circle is me